Today we continue in the book of Genesis. Genesis 32, talking about Jacob today. So we're going to be reading that first. Genesis 32, starting at verse 22. So if you'd like to open your Bibles, great. If not, it will be on the screen. Genesis 32. The same night he got up and took his two wives, Jacob, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go, unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. In this passage, Jacob is again in fear of his life. Remember that he had fled his family's home after he had stolen the paternal blessing meant for his brother Esau. Until things quieted down, his mother urged him to go find a bride among his relatives, her relatives. In the time he has been away, he has acquired a substantial amount of wealth and now has a growing family of his own. After working hard for his deceitful father-in-law Laban, he decides he's had enough and he is headed home, a place he has not seen for 20 years Unsure of how he will be received, he sends messengers in front of his caravan to tell his brother Esau he is on his way. The messengers do so and come back and tell Jacob that Esau himself is coming to meet them and is bringing 400 men. This causes Jacob great anxiety, thinking that Esau is finally going to be getting revenge on him since Jacob took what rightfully belonged to his brother. So Jacob divides up his entourage, sending half of them home one route and sending the other half in different directions so that if Esau does attack, at least part of the group will escape. Jacob then says a prayer of deliverance to the Lord. It is a humble entreaty asking for help as he proclaims the goodness of the Lord. And then he sends a huge present to his brother ahead of the divided company, valuable animals which serve as a peace offering, hoping his brother will welcome him back instead of killing him. So in the verses we just read, this is how we find Jacob. By himself, after he has intentionally sent everyone away. It's an interesting choice, isn't it? To be alone at a time like this. There's no clue in the story to tell us anything except that he stayed where he was after everyone else had gone. All of his life had led him to this place. His choices 
and his ideals, and he's come to the end of his running. It's time for him to face the consequence of his past actions. When Jacob left home, he left a trail of chaos in his wake. A few weeks ago, Shannon showed us how God gave Jacob grace through a dream, although he did not deserve it. But Jacob has grown and changed in 20 years. We know that being transformed is a process. It takes time to reconcile, to mature, to change in the Lord and with others. On his journey, Jacob has come to understand a bit more of who God is and how he works. And he's about to discover a different aspect of Yahweh's character, the God who wrestles. One minute Jacob is alone, and the next he is grappling with an unknown assailant until dawn. How does this happen? Does God attack? Or is Jacob the aggressor when the Lord shows up, tackling him, trying to take him down? The scenario is one that we can maybe identify with. When our souls are burdened, when we're in the throes of strong feelings that we cannot set aside, we might be in a place where we're ready to have it out with God. In a dark night or dark months of the soul, when the struggle is very real, suddenly we can be engaged in a battle that takes us by surprise, although it may have been a long time in the making. Many times, like Jacob, we wrestle with God because we're afraid. Because the future, whether it's the next day or the next season of our life, brings maybe unwelcome events, which we think could be catastrophic. But we also strive with God because we doubt. Because we're in grief. Because we have unhealthy relationships. Because of the pain of injustice and oppression in our world. We combat God over our own recurring patterns of sin because we're lonely, because we're sick. We do battle when someone has hurt us, when we've made stupid mistakes, when we have to make a weighty decision. But wrestling doesn't always have to be because of negative situations. Sometimes we're kept awake at night because we don't know what to do when we've been given a great opportunity at work. Or we've fallen in love, or we're going to have a baby, or God has asked us to do something that we don't know if we can do. And in all of these things, we cry out, God, what do you want? What do you want from me? There are many reasons that we engage in a fight as we grapple with the future we cannot see with a God who does not give easy answers. It can be very overwhelming for us. In my family growing up, there was a fair amount of wrestling. Remember, I had three brothers. So something would be said or a strong feeling would come to the surface and all of a sudden we'd be on the ground trying to see who could get the upper hand. Remember, I was the youngest. So that was never me. But I remember one of my brothers was so strong, but I would always, always try to beat him, flailing all the while just in case one day I could win. But he told me, yeah, it's never going to (laughs) happen. But think of the picture of wrestling, either from what you've seen or what you've experienced. There's lots of tumbling as two people go round and round. It's a fight and neither one wants to be bested. There can be blood and bruising. 
As kids, we were always worried about upending the furniture, but this fight with Joshua is in the rocks and the dirt. Whatever happens, it appears Jacob will not be the first one to say aunt or truce or mercy. Now, one thing we have to remember is that God could at any time completely take Jacob out. The Lord has no limits. He could have easily destroyed him just like that. The match is portrayed as somewhat equal, maybe because it says that the man could not prevail against Jacob. But perhaps this is to show how determined Jacob is. He's working out something inside of him. He will not quit. But think of how exhausted he must be. Sweaty and out of options except for one. To hold on until God would bless him. So Jacob comes to the core of who we know him to be. What did he steal from his brother? The blessing of his father. He worked harder than he should have for Laban, his father-in-law, until he could take it no more and left. But it took years. So there's something in Jacob that will not let go of wanting to be uniquely affirmed by getting something special that no one else gets. Now from God himself. He received the first one, the first paternal blessing by trickery, and the second one by sheer willpower. And now before he lets go, he is demanding to be blessed by his creator. Remember, he's also in pain. They've been wrestling all night long, and the man sees that Jacob is not going to relent. So he strikes his hip so Jacob might finally let go. But it seems like this almost makes Jacob hold on tighter. He absolutely will not give up. Is it the blessing? What the struggle was about to begin with here? If I had to guess, I would say no. It's often true that when we wrestle with God, the issue, the presenting problem that we begin with morphs into something different along the way. Maybe it's because we're not exactly sure what's going on inside of us. And the longer we wrestle, the more clarity we receive. And engaging with God about the painful circumstances we face changes us in profound ways as we begin to understand more of who God is and what he wants from us as we surrender to what it is that we are supposed to know. Think about it. We have a God who's willing to go to the mat with us. He knows what we can take and he meets us toe to toe so we might find peace. The times in my life that I have wrestled with the Lord have been some of the most painful experiences of my life. And I bet that is true for you as well. But also some of the most extraordinary things have come out of those times. There's a raw honesty that comes from being in the ring with the almighty God. And like Jacob, he changes us, naming a part of us we didn't know existed. What an astounding God we serve. One who meets us in the depth of our struggles, not so that he can win, but so that we can. This morning, what are you wrestling with? The landscape of our lives are always changing So we're always processing something. We're always thinking about something. Jacob begins his wrestling most likely because he's terrified that his brother is going to come after him. And all of his feelings about going home and all of the things that he's done have come to the surface. In his life, he's mostly gotten what he's wanted. And as he ends his fight with God, he still has no answers. 
for what will happen with Esau. He doesn't know what the day is going to bring, but he does have an assurance that no matter what happens, he will be blessed by Yahweh. He is known. He has a new name and a new purpose. He understands who God is in a new way that will impact his future. Engaging with God has freed him. Communion is a time for us to stop in the middle of the struggle and to remember that Jesus has won the victory for us. Jesus himself had a difficult night in the garden, imploring God for something that he ultimately did not receive. As we know, wrestling comes down to the will. As we grapple with what we want versus what the Lord wants. Jesus surrendered to something he did not desire, and God used him to bring forgiveness for us and for all time. Through Jacob's striving, a new nation was born. So how might new life come out of the struggle that you are having today? How are you holding on to God for dear life so that you might get something that he wants to give you? May the bread... And the juice be symbols for us today of the God who blesses us as we hold on to him. We can prevail because he is fighting with us.